Our first reading comes from the Old Testament, which is the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 to 16. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. But before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The next reading is from Romans 1, verses 1 to 7. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God. By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ is our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from our God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the next reading is from Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Good morning, everyone. It's really great to be here. And uh, I'm trusting that God is going to bless each one of us this morning. Uh, Before we pray, I just want to read this truth or quote from John Piper. God is most glorified in you and me when we are most satisfied in him. 
especially in times of suffering. I come across that quote whilst I was preparing for this and I just had a sense that that might speak to a number of people this morning. Shall we pray? Holy Spirit, we welcome you here this morning. We ask you to come and meet with each one of us. We want more of you, Jesus. We want more of you in our lives. And we want to be that true reflection of you today, all over Christmas and well into 2020, Father God, when we know that you are going to do great things. We pray for your revival in this place, in this town. And we ask that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we have lit the fourth candle on our Advent wreath today. And uh, as Lewis explained, it's traditionally called the angel candle or the candle of love. The angels announced the good news of a saviour, and God sent his only son to earth to save us. Why? Because he loves us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John 3.16 was one of the first verses that I memorised as a young Christian. And over the years I've gone back to those words that are so comforting, to believe in him and to receive eternal life. And there is no condemnation Jesus didn't come to condemn, but he came to save us. The Bible readings this morning may be very familiar to many of us, and one of my favourite books in the Old Testament is Isaiah. And Isaiah brings a message of hope. His starting point was spiritual renewal. How fascinating that the word of God, relevant in Isaiah's time, is so relevant in us for us today, thousands of years later. Isaiah was challenged by the word of God. The real challenge is how does he respond? And the same applies to us. How do we respond to the word of God this morning? In Isaiah's time, there were so many issues and conflicts between the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Who do you follow? And, you know, we've just had an election. Who did you follow? Who do you vote for? And even now, our united kingdom seems to be under threat. Well, we can put that aside this morning. Because the most important thing 
in your life today is that you follow Jesus. And this must be evidenced by your personal decision and by your commitment. In the book of Isaiah, our chapter is headed The Sign of Emmanuel. The arrival of a child was predicted many years before the event, the Emmanuel prophecy. King Ahab had proved himself to be disobedient and uh, he was an idolatrous king. His life was summarised as one who followed false gods, worshipping them in every way and at every opportunity. He had led the southern kingdom, Judah, down the same path. And for this reason, God had passed judgment upon Ahaz and upon Judah and the southern kingdom. Israel, the northern kingdom, was in alliance with Assyria. They had attacked Judah. In fact, they had killed over 100,000 of Judah's army and had taken away 200,000 women and children. And the threat of another invasion was looming. And God reaffirms his commitment to Judah and tells Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah not to fear but have faith. Isaiah tells Ahaz to ask God for a sign but because Ahaz does not worship God and because of his stubbornness and because he does not believe, he refuses And because Ahaz refused to ask God for a sign, God himself gives the prophetic sign through Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. All this is designed to help Ahaz to turn to and believe in God, that God will care for him and the nation. He needed to put his hope in the one true God, to have courage and to do what was right. Regrettably, he was having none of it. He was not interested. Now, no one hearing these words at that time would have imagined that the prophet was speaking of some other event many generations into the future. No one would have imagined that he would be referring to a time when the threat to the nation would have come from another superpower altogether, and that was Rome. Yet Matthew's Gospel takes these words and treats these words as a prophecy about Jesus. And as we heard this morning in Matthew, the quotes, he quotes the words from Isaiah in telling the story of Jesus' birth and clearly implies that this is precisely what the prophet was referring to all those years before. The whole of the circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth is referred to as a sign or a signpost to indicate to us what Jesus' life was going to be about. 
he truly was the long-awaited Messiah. He was born in difficult circumstances. As a young man, he knew what his destiny was. His life demonstrated his love for the lost, the poor, the sick, the homeless. His life demonstrated that God is fully committed to us. Do you believe that this morning? God is fully committed to us. He stands by us in all the issues that we may be going through at the moment. He stands by us. And as this Christmas time, as we hear the stories of Christ's birth, we remember his life, death and resurrection. These are the signs of God's love, mercy and grace, of God's total commitment to us. The birth of Jesus did not solve the problems for the people of Israel in his time. I mean, the Romans remained in power considerably longer after the death of Jesus. But those who believed were convinced that God was with them and that he would not let them down. Our relationship with Jesus probably will not solve all our problems. Jesus never said to follow him, to be his disciple would be easy. But he promises never to leave us or to let us down. On that we can be sure. In Joshua 1.5 it says in the Old Testament, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And in the New Testament, Hebrews 13.5 says, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. What will always be true, that none of our disobedience, our messed upness, our hurt, or the hurt that we cause others, none of it has driven away the love of God. God loves us. And that is why we put our hope in him. Just for a moment, consider your relationship with Jesus. Your love and commitment to him. Do we have room for him in every area of our lives? Luke 2.7 says, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I came across this quote this week. Each of us is an innkeeper who decides if there is room for Jesus. At this Christmas time, each of us is an innkeeper who decides if there is room for Jesus. The words from Scripture 
are really powerful to each one of us. And when we read scripture, just ask Holy Spirit to reveal to you what God is saying. And John 5:40 says, "The scriptures testify about me." You know, some books inform and even reform, but the Bible transforms. When you read the Bible, this transforms your life. And that's part of the journey, isn't it, as Christians? When we walk with Jesus, as we mature in our Christian walk, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. That's worth saying again, isn't it? Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Just to finish, I'm going to look briefly at the Romans reading. And um, I've got it here. I was going to read it to us briefly again. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who who, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God. By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through him and for his name's sake, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That word grace appears several times that undeserved favour from God. Undeserved favour. You cannot do anything to earn or deserve God's love. You receive it as a gift. Jesus has made you righteous through what he accomplished on the cross. Through his life, death and resurrection, you can live in a right relationship with God. With Christ's intervention into the world, history was changed forever. The Apostle Paul wrote this very influential letter to the church in Rome in around AD 59. Paul who himself had encountered the risen Jesus, himself takes his readers through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth and thinks through its implications. 
It's interesting to note that the establishment of the Christian church in Rome came about not by an evangelistic enterprise or missionary trip by Paul, but by the presence of Christians in the workplace doing their ordinary jobs. Remember then, wherever you are, your witness, your influence can have as big an impact as any full-time evangelist. Often it is the little things, those chance conversations, those offers of prayer, those offers of help. Now, I'd written that before Andrew stood up this morning and said what he said. That's interesting, isn't it? Those little things that we do, those offers of help. And we do those things because... Jesus first loved us. And there's that command in John 15, 12, love each other as I have loved you. Love is the motivation for evangelism. Christ's love compels us to become ambassadors for Christ with a ministry of reconciliation. That's 2 Corinthians 5.14. At this Christmas time, we have to remember what Christ has done for us. And just a a little bit of humour, if you take Christ out of Christmas, all you're left with is (laughs) M&S. So, remember... Christ at this Christmas time. And I just want to have one final thought. And again, it comes back to the question of love. You know, at Christmas time we remember family. Sometimes we don't like to remember some members of our families. But At this Christmas time, I just want you to think of those people that you love. And to tell them that you love them. That's slightly different, isn't it? Tell them that you love them. There might be someone you haven't spoken to in months, maybe even years. That call to say, I've been thinking about you. Just to let you know that I love you. That I've been praying for you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for what you've done through Jesus. We can never show our thanks enough. You were born in poverty, 
that through your death you are given all the riches of heaven. So we ask you to come as we remember today when we drink the wine and take the bread of what you accomplished for us. Help us to be more like you so that our friends, our relatives, our neighbours will notice Come, Holy Spirit, do your work in each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.